HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. I'm very excited to speak with William Vanderbloom, CEO and founder of Vanderbloom Search Group, a top executive search firm. In his upcoming book, Be the Unicorn, 12 Data-Driven Habits That Separate the Best Leaders from the Rest, William reveals how job seekers, employees, hiring managers, and company leaders everywhere can stand out from their peers and become irreplaceable, building the careers they've always wanted. William, thank you for joining me. I am very excited to have you here today. Leanne, it's uh, it's it's a fun thing to get to be with you. I appreciate you taking time and uh, go Packers. <laughs> yes, go Packers. So, William, why don't you start off by telling me a little bit about yourself? <laughs> this sounds like a job interview, Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know people are, I actually had one of my guests say, you can't ask me that question. And I'm like, well, then how do I start? Like, do I introduce you? Do you? And I'm like, fine, I won't. We'll, we'll just jump into the first question, but I'm sorry. You got to answer it. Well, let me give you, let me give you the podcast answer. And then if you want, I can give you the, oh, if I get asked that in a job interview, here's yeah. how I, how's that? Yep. Okay. So, um, I have the privilege of serving, um, a company that I started. Um, we're an executive search firm. We help teams that are values driven find their top talent. So it started as an idea of helping uh, churches find their pastor. Okay. I think you're in Milwaukee. So, like Elmbrook Church, which would be a church that is fairly well known in town, that, yep. that'd be. But then uh, it also grew to schools. What's the charter school there in Milwaukee that's so good? Um, St. Augustine Academy. Okay. So we, we help them and that's, you know, not necessarily faith-based, but it's uh, values driven, mm -hmm. nonprofits that are trying to find their C-suite. And then to some extent, I don't know how to say this, but like the Chick-fil-A's of the world, the companies that are small businesses, large businesses that are family run, and they have a very particular set of values that drive that family. And they want a search firm that's going to hire based on uh, value and cultural fit mm -hmm. as much as competency. Does that make sense? Yes. And finding cultural fit, you know, saying it like, and, and again, I work in this you know space saying, hey, I really like to find somebody who's a cultural fit. It's one thing to say it. It's, it's an another thing to do it. Correct. Yeah. Because to try to explain, well, what is your culture? You can't just sit and have a conversation and be like, oh, here's what my culture is. You have to actually dig in and get to know the people to figure and it, out. And, it, and it's an archaeological dig, not a Correct. backhoe done in 30 minutes kind of thing. It's mm -hmm. slow study of the organization. Right. I, I tell people when we do a search, um, it's kind of like an organ transplant. You know, you, you're, at, you're hiring us 
to go find someone outside your body and bring them in and run a major system of the body, mm -hmm. right? And so I, we live right by the medical center here in Houston. We have a ton of docs in our neighborhood. And I was talking to a transplant doc and I said, what's the difference between the good transplant doc and the best? And he said, oh, that's easy. The, you know, donor lists are a big part of the equation. Who can we go find that has a kidney or, you know, he said, you know, but honestly, that's not as hard as it used to be. Mm -hmm. What separates the best transplant docs from the rest is their ability to do a tissue match. Oh. And I thought about what I do. And he, I said, why is that? And he said, well, you can take a healthy heart and put it in a healthy body. And if the tissues don't match, it's a bad ending for everyone. And I just thought about HR and staff and mm -hmm. like adding to the team. So we really focus on the tissue match, which requires a deep study right. of each as if it's the only client we've ever had. Right. So yeah. that's, that's a really great analogy because I mean, you're right. And if that tissue doesn't match, eventually everything around the heart is going to, yeah, it's going to die. It's, it's and, gonna... and you know, the whole search world, people don't want to have to pay to help find a staff. I think they feel like they're, am I admitting some level of incompetence? by hiring someone to help me find this person. And it's just like, you know, man, it's all right. And and then if they say, well, I'll get some help, then it's like, I don't want to spend a ton of it. And I've kind of gotten to the place, Leanne, where I look at people and say, if you needed a kidney transplant, would you Google discount transplant doctors? <laughs> right. Probably. <laughs> but here's, here's something that I, I grew up in a, in a, sales or, you know, sales entrepreneur spirited type family. And I grew up with the understanding that if you are not the expert at what you're doing, then go hire the expert at what you're doing because it makes you that much smarter. Yeah, I'm not, yeah the, that's right. I'm not the smartest person in the room, but here's where it, I stand out among other people. I am smart enough to know it. I don't know how to do accounting. I run my own business. Okay. Do I want to do my own books and screw up and in the end right. have to pay the government that much more money? Or do That's I right. want to admit that I am not smart enough to do it and then go hire the person that yeah. is smart enough so that oh, at the I, end of the day, I don't end up having to pay 50 grand to the government because I screwed up my books? That's this is so we have more in common than I realized. Um, tell me about yourself. It actually starts with I will, I'm, I'll keep it short. I am a recovering uh, preacher. Mm -hmm. So I go on and on and on. But a lifetime ago, I was a pastor, in a senior pastor, a lead pastor, the head guy, whatever you want to call it, at uh, mostly large churches. The last church I served was First Presbyterian Houston, mm -hmm. which is where Sam Houston went to church. So like it's fairly established and ensconced. Mm -hmm. um, great place. They shouldn't have a hard time hiring. They took three years to find me. I stayed six years. Mm-hmm. It took almost three years to find the next guy. Oh, jeez! And I went from there to, we don't have time for all the details, but I went from there into the corporate world, worked for a Fortune 200 size company, oil and gas here in Houston. Mm -hmm. The CEO had been there nine and a half years, which is a lifetime for a company that size, mm -hmm. and said, time to find my successor. And they hired this thing called a search firm. Never heard of such a thing. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, Wake Forest undergrad, Princeton Seminary, straight into church. 
And um, 90 days after they started, they had their new CEO. And I'm like, wow, you know, First Presbyterian Houston, they got 12 years, half the time they're looking for somebody, half the time they're not. Mean old oil and gas company, like the death star of the universe right now. And 90 days, they've got their person. So I set out to try. It's funny. I came home. Adrian and I had just gotten married. We blended our families, six kids, uh, just bought a house. And I said, baby, I think, I think I'm supposed to quit my job and start something new for churches. And she just looked at me totally deadpan and said, that's because churches love new ideas, right? <laughs> we should have said no one ever. So, you know, she should have said, she should have said, I love you. Go back to work. We have mouths to feed. And she didn't. So honestly, she gets credit for starting the company. Oh, oh and Leanne, it was uh, the fall of 2008, which was a brilliant time to quit your oh job. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. But it's been a fun ride. 15 years later, we've kind of, it's branched out from just, helping churches, although we do the church and the pastor thing a lot more than anybody in the mm-hmm. world because we were the first to do it. But it's branched out beyond that. We've gotten to meet a lot of great small business owners, uh, gotten to help a lot of companies. Right. It's the idea that you started and and in churches, which and, and I in my career have helped. I have gone into churches and helped Im- implement processes and, and they're slow to move on anything. I mean, it is, it is, there are, there are glaciers that move faster. Correct. So (laughs) the idea that you started there, my, my goodness gracious, it, that is, um, that is crazy. (laughs) Well, I, I I did bring that up to tell a funny story as much to say, if you look back on my wall, you'll see, uh, an undergrad degree with religion and philosophy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not exactly business. In fact, I tell people, you know, you know what people with a philosophy major do with their career. They spend the day saying, would you like fries with that? (laughs) (laughs) So like, that's my business training. And then a seminary degree from Princeton, like, so I've had to learn it as I go and hire accountants. So we don't pay extra money and just hire experts around me. So sorry for the long story. No, but but Hey, I love it. I absolutely I love it because I don't I don't know that there is anybody who is wildly successful that had a straight path. No. And, and and people, you know, there's so many people who will look at you and go, well, I can't you know, he's he's so brilliant and so successful. I'm I, I don't want to approach him and and, you know, sound stupid. Well, wait a second. Let's back up. That is the person that you should approach and and talk to, because if you're open and willing to accept some of that knowledge, well, and obviously the person you approach has to be willing to, you know, to be open. And, but for the most part, the people I talk to are so open to saying, yeah, let me tell you my story. Let me, ta- you know, tell you a little bit about what I went through. And then it may, it humanizes, first of all, you know, mm-hmm. let's talk HR humanizing. Mm-hmm. It humanizes those people and it allows other people to realize, wow, I can do brilliant things if only i start asking the questions and i allow myself to be open to new ideas i I mean i never i never would have i never would have started with trying to help churches um because no what idiot does that (laughs) (laughs) but that's let's start with the very hardest group to adopt a new idea but you knew them you understood yeah. them and you understood their their inner workings because well and for me for me just to be clearly and not to sound you know melodrama this was not about what's the best business sector to start in this was about a cause that i deeply care about right 
being so sadly inefficient at their mm-hmm. HR that I'm like, I don't care if it's me chasing windmills with Don Quixote. I'm going to try. Right. Well, and that's so it really wasn't about a business decision. It was your passion. It was a passion right. project that has now turned into a successful business where you can still keep your passion, you know, close to your heart. And, that's right. And if we could all, if we could all do something that we're passionate about and enjoy doing and being able to still help that, you know, we would, we would find our success, right? Because success oh, is not uh, we about. Have, we have seven kids. And uh, so we're the career, we're in the career advice stage. We got some out of college, some in, they all come to me and say, you know, what do you think we should do with our career? This is what you do all day. What, you know, give me some advice. And I think they all think I want them. I'm going to say, well, come work at the company, the family business. And I hadn't said that yet. Uh, but what I have said is, listen, it doesn't matter. Let me give you two sets of questions to ask as you're looking for your career. Uh, the first set is, you know, what kind of job do I want? It, find something the world needs. Okay. And that's a little trickier right now because AI is going to change what the world needs from humans. So think about that. Is this something the world needs and is going to need for a while? Is this something I'm good at? Is this something that I can actually feed my family with? Like there are a lot of people who take on passion projects and then realize they're bankrupt. Right. (laughs) And is this something that makes my heart go, yes. And then finally, is it something that leaves the world better than you found it? You do those five things, you'll have more job satisfaction than probably 90% of the population, right? And then the second thing is, once you find the job, if you do what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, at the costs that you promise, you'll be in the top 5% of whatever you go into. Mm -hmm. Find something that you are extremely passionate about and love to do that are helping others, and you'll never work a day in your life. And success is not measured by the amount of money that you make, but rather the, I mean, not to say that you can't work for free. You still need to be able to put food on the table, but it's measured by, you know, what you choose you want to have out of that at the end of the day. And it's different for everybody. And that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So, so now you, you, you have been able to gather invaluable insight, you know, over the years mm-hmm. through the research, um, the interview process that, that you go through in, you know, in helping people find these jobs, helping these companies find these people. So you've, you know, really have kind of, you know, a process down. And I asked you, you know, tell me about yourself and you laughed. Is this an interview? Tell me, you know, how you help your clients, the candidates navigate the whole finding jobs, finding people. And what is the yeah. magic sauce? What is the, because everybody dreads that. Yeah. Hey, candidates, sit uh, down and tell me about yourself, right? Yeah. I So I think, um, whether you're hiring or interviewing, the, the cardinal rule is long hellos, short goodbyes. You know, you can say it a little more bluntly, hire slowly, fire quickly, right? right? Uh, but long hellos and short goodbyes, take your time, make sure it's right. If you're miserable in your job, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help the company. And then you're going to be job hopping on your resume. And that is not insurmountable, but it's it's not desirable, mm-hmm. right? So um, to me... You know, hiring and interviewing both sides of that equation are oftentimes like like bad high school dating from back. I mean, I'm in I'm 53, so I'm ancient. But like back when we were in school, when we walked uphill to school in the snow both ways, you know, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> you know dating was um, you never saw the real person. 
Right. Like, you know, if it was me, I'm waxing my car to some ridiculous shine it never has. I'm lifting weights 10 minutes before I pick her up. So I look a little bigger than I am. And, you know, she spent the day getting ready at a level that would never happen, probably wearing something she doesn't want to wear. Right. You know, to, and, you know, it's just that's the way interviewing feels like to me. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not the way everybody understands it. But there's a there's a story not to get all biblical, but there's a great story in the Hebrew scriptures. Um, Jacob is getting married uh, and and he wants to marry Rachel, the love of his life. And he's worked seven years to get the father's blessing and the father's a bit of a trickster and so he goes down the aisle and does the ceremony but 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 in that day the wedding was really when the consummation happened and the father uh swapped out rachel for leah (laughs) the the younger sister and uh it just says and so they got married and then jacob woke up and it was leah (laughs) like and and so like that's what interviewing feels like. It's like I thought I walked down the aisle with one person, <laughs> then in the morning, right? Hmm. So it, it, how do you make it work? What's the genius? If you can find a way to get honest answers from candidates about themselves and honest answers from employers about themselves, and that's kind of honestly, that's a lot of what we do is sort of provide this Switzerland where each side can ask the awkward question and we can say, here's the what's what and uh, find that tissue match so that everybody walks up away going, this works well and uh, off we go. And do you feel that it's, I mean, you're, you're almost the mediator, right? That's so, right. So do you, do you think that because you have that, you're the, the mediator, the buffer in between, because, you know, again, I could put two people in a room and be like, okay, guys, be, be honest with each other. Let's just no, you know, talk exactly. <laughs> and they're nervous. That's they're the nervous. main thing. It's not they're deceptive. It's nervous. When you're hiring, you're adding an unknown into your staff culture. Right. So and like and 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 people like I don't know how many primal fears we have, but we're afraid of the unknown. Right. Like I still got a teenager that prefers a nightlight, you know, so we don't like the unknown. And that's why I see so many people. Well, I'm going to hire this guy because Leanne told me he was great. Well, that's pretty thorough. (laughs) What what happened? I mean, I love Leanne, but like what happened was I'm afraid of the unknown. Now I feel like I know something because Leanne told me about a known. So I'm going to go with the known or I'm going to go with the internal hire. Or if you're a small business owner, well, let's say, let's say it this way. If you have a friend who owns a small business, have you ever seen a friend with their small business hand the keys to one of their kids that's not qualified? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's out of pride or a blind spot, but sometimes it's because I know my kid, I don't know what's unknown. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Um, you see that all the time where you've, you've got a family member of some kind in the business that shouldn't be in the business, but the alternative is when I'm going to turn over my business to somebody who I don't know at all. Yep. But yep. the person who is running the business is making mistakes and because they're just not qualified. Um, you're right. We are all afraid of the unknown. It's that, you know, walking in a dark, walking in the dark when it's, you know, really dark. And in my neighborhood, I don't have a whole ton of streetlights. And, you know, you always get the pricks in the back of your neck when you can hear something above you or in front of you. And you're like, what is that? Like, is there something up? Is there something in front of me? You know, I'm I'm a 42 year old woman that really is not scared of anything. But you still have that, that 
you know, the goosebumps that you're like, ooh. Yes. I don't know. And especially when it's your own business or it's something that you're extremely passionate about. So how do you help? I mean, are you are you putting two people in a room? How do you help with that interview? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so I think, Leanne, the image that I'm currently most drawn to for us, I love the transplant surgeon thing. But but the reality is we're not the only ones guiding the hiring process. And we're certainly not telling you who to hire. It's more like, um, you know, when we when we have a new client, we'll this is never used as we'll take a survey. What are you expecting out of this? Right. Mm-hmm. And then after the search, we do another survey to say, what was the highest value? And it's interesting. Uh, what are you expecting out of this? Always leads. To, the lead answer is always you're going to introduce me to people I wouldn't otherwise know. Well, that's very that's flattering because everyone knows everyone. It's called LinkedIn. Okay. But, uh, you know, on the backside, well, what was the biggest value you got out of this? And the answer is almost always it was the process. You guided us through things. You mediated things. So I'm seeing us now as more of a, a, a Sherpa, you know, like this is your mountain to climb. Right. You're the one that's going to summit Everest. Mm-hmm. I'm the little guy that's gone up and down the hill a bunch of times and I can help you see where to step and not step. Mm-hmm. So it's not just putting two people in a room. Right. It's it's sourcing down to a short list and then from the short list, helping them figure out which one on the short list is right. Right. So let's talk about how you assist the candidates with, you know, some of the questions, how do how, you know, the, I'm, I'm a candidate. So uh, William, I'm coming to you asking your advice, William, you know, I can't stand when somebody, you know, asks me to tell me what my greatest weakness is. You don't like that question? (laughs) I actually, I love every interview question because I'm a geek and I just, I'm, I'm also extremely. What's the right answer to that question, Leanne? What's the right answer to what's my great? I mean, it's not, I never ask for a raise. I work too many hours. These are my weaknesses. For me, my greatest weakness is also my greatest strength. Um, I I have had employers. I, I also, however, um, am probably non-employable at this point because I've owned my own business and I've gotten a taste of that. And I probably would be the worst employee ever to to. And I have known this actually way before I owned my own business. I knew that I was a very hard person to manage. And I have told mm. my managers, like, I'm not the easiest person to manage because I get wild ideas in my head and I think that I know like how to do my, uh, you know, my job and I'm going to come to you at times and you're going to have to look me square in the face and say no. And no means no. (laughs) But my, my greatest strength is also my greatest weakness. My tenacity. Yeah. Yeah. It's true of everybody. Your, your greatest strength unguarded is your shadow side. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to answer that question. You know, we've done, so when we do a search, we'll have you hire me to find your CEO of your, whatever the thing is. And we'll have maybe a thousand people that are on radar. And then you get serious about it. Like, where is it located? I mean, you rule out all the Bears fans. If I'm hiring for you, like they can't come work for you. <laughs> uh, nope. That ain't going to work. Nope. So... <laughs> So you you whittle it down and maybe you got 150 people you're really dealing with and you do your initial phone screens and all that. And you whittle down to a Zoom interview and a second Zoom interview. You get down to the the very last, the the face-to-face interview with people that are going to maybe make the shortlist. Um, That's a long format interview. Mm -hmm. And um, 
we've now done 30,000 of those and tracked all the data right. of like where they end up, how they do, what they say to these questions. And it's not a totally scripted interview, but it's a fairly similar format. So mm -hmm. we can see some patterns. Um, and in the tell me about yourself sort of thing, if you're interviewing right now, or what's your greatest weakness? Like, you mind if I just give you like a quick, here's what the best of the best have done? Yeah, please. Yeah. So, so, so the very, in fact, we did a study in 2020. If you remember, we had a pandemic then. Um, oh yeah, that that weird that weird thing that happened yeah, during that time when the world thing. shut down. Yeah, where every one of my clients closed indefinitely. Churches, <laughs> schools. I mean, business lesson: if all of your clients close indefinitely, it will affect your P and L. <laughs> so <laughs> it wait it does. Yeah. So things they teach you with a religion and philosophy degree. Uh, so we did a study. We had extra time and that's a whole nother podcast. But we asked the question. So we got 30,000 of these face to face. Could we identify who the best of those 30,000 are mm -hmm. based on job placement, retention, success at work? And we did. And then we said, well, do they have anything in common? And they do. And we would never have had time to do all this research without the pandemic because we're growing and, you know, going too fast. And so it's led some really interesting insights about what really are the best habits of the best of the best candidates and what are the best answers. And one, one of those habits that I think works with the tell me about yourself and the what's your greatest weakness, uh, we distilled it to 12 habits of the best of the best. And uh, one of them is self-awareness. Mm -hmm. We said, what does that mean? Well, so Leanne's got this rocking and rolling company that's growing super fast. And uh, I'm interviewing with her and Leanne says, tell me about yourself. So, well, I won't bore you with all the details. I mean, I've got a wife, we've got seven kids. Um, but what, what I want you to hear is I'm really interested in this interview. And I don't know where it'll go, but I'm really energized. Let me tell you why. What you need matches a whole lot of who I am. Now, what does that mean? Well, you're growing like a hockey stick. You know, it's I can see that. So I'm guessing that every single job description in your company, Leanne, has a little thing at the bottom that says, and other duties as necessary, right? And it's probably got another bullet point that says, ability to learn on the job. Well, let me tell you, in my last company, I started with a startup. They had no idea what to do with their mail list. They didn't even have an email distribution list thing. I got a philosophy degree, so I had to go figure that out. I got them on constant contact until we could figure out, like, HubSpot's the best thing to do for content-based marketing. We started a blog. We upped our traffic. We grew our our website. We grew our contact list by 3,000% in the first two years. And in the middle of all that, I also had to learn how to do a commercial real estate lease, which I'd never done. Uh, but it was just a lot of fun. I really thrived in that. I had a job in high school where it was house painting, and it was the same motion on the same job all day long. And the guy next to me loved it. He was wired for it. I did not love it. I was ready to quit I am not that guy. If you want me to come in and do like bean counting, I, you're going to fire me. I'm not good at, if you want me to come in and say, William, we're, you know what, we're uh, jumping out of the plane and we're going to build the parachute on the way down. I'm in my zone. And that's why I'm excited about this interview. And, and I'm excited to see where it goes. So you see what happens right. is there's self-awareness. Right. And I backed it up with, look how that self-awareness is proved out by what I've done in my previous jobs. Mm -hmm. And that self-awareness is also tied to 
that's why I'm interested in your job. Now, this won't work if you don't do the homework and only interview right. for jobs you should flourish in. But but then you've also kind of headed off at the past. Tell me about your greatest weakness, because you've already said, you know, there are fabulous people in the world that are compliance officers. I would get fired from that in about three days, you know, so right. Does that make sense? It's probably more than you wanted to hear. No, no, it absolutely makes sense. And when people are self-aware, you're right. Um, absolutely right. Because, and I'm trying to think of the proper way, um, when when people are self-aware, they're able to adjust and, you know, be able to take on those difficult and, again, I'm not picking on the, the person who loves the painting job that's repetitive, that's that's the same thing, but the more self-aware you are, the more you're able to shift and move and adjust to different yes. situations, which makes sense why those would be the highest ranked with interview candidates. Um, and we and we talk about that in emotional intelligence. We talk about that in, in self-awareness. Well, emotional intelligence very much is together with self you know, awareness. Um, so it makes well, sense think, why think, those would be the traits. When, when I was younger, you know, when I came to First Presbyterian in Houston, I was uh, head of this church with about 5,000 adults, a couple thousand kids, a school. I'd never even been a member of a large church. I don't know what they were thinking. They should have hired a search firm to help them, but there wasn't one back then. So um, I go there way in over my head, but because I was 31, I knew everything. <laughs> so uh, you know classic mistake i did not have self-awareness and i just hired people exactly like me because mm -hmm. i like me uh, <laughs> you know i think as i've grown in self-awareness it's given me the capacity to appreciate people that are not like me right. that can complement the team in a way that i mean we would never have been able to do research on thirty thousand interviews if it was just people like me because we would have thrown the interview notes away or they'd have been on the back of a paper bag or mm -hmm. no i've got all these people on our team that are completely ocd with our data i mean like honestly they probably get mad when i say that because they're like no we're cdo that's alphabetical mm -hmm. so you know <laughs> like <laughs> right right <laughs> Right. I and and again, you're talking about you know hiring people who are are great at doing something that you are not good are at. not not good at. Right. And, but and that requires self awareness. And that requires self awareness. And you know, I I tell I'll, I'll tell people like stay in your lane. Do do find your superpower, and then stay yes. in your lane. If you need to veer for a second, you know, occasionally I need to update my my accounting book so that my accountant can take care of it but everybody has a superpower and it may it, it may not be self-awareness it may be painting the walls if that's your superpower you're happy with that then go do that then go be happy in with your superpower and that's absolutely i i you know and i've talked numerous times about every single human in every single job needs to be recognized for the great job that they do in the job that they do that's so good. It, That's so good. It doesn't matter what we do, but take pride in what you do. Love what you do, and you'll be happy every day of your That's, life. That's good. But and and well, I and I preach about this too. If you're not happy in what you do, then go. I mean, the world since the pandemic, it has drastically changed. There are hundreds of thousands of jobs open. All over the place. Even when we're hearing about mass layoffs, there are still hundreds of thousands of jobs 
all over the place. That's exactly right. So now I wanted to bring this one up. Bringing up salary. Now, for me, I've never had a problem with, again, I am a wildly extroverted person. I don't, I don't know, William, I don't think I brought this up to you. I, I have bipolar disorder, years and years of being stable. That is part of my superpower. I don't Good think of you. it, I don't consider it to be a, a disability or a hindrance anymore because I've been stable for as long as I have. It's part of my superpower. It makes me as much of an extrovert. I, I have owned that. I have, um, I talk about it a lot. It is wow. part of who I am. Um, proud of who I am. I, I go out and I talk to people about, you know, that I'm a huge supporter of mental health. So I've never had a problem with being a, a chatty Kathy, right? It's just part of my, my personality. So when it comes to, you know, going into an interview, I've never had a problem with just being myself, being completely comfortable with myself. But there are those who, and I experience this too, where I'll talk to the the company that interviewed a candidate and they'll say, this person was just really closed off. I'm like, mm. really? What? what I, I didn't get that. But you and I are very comfortable talking with people and I have a tendency to be able to break down those walls with people very quickly. When they go into a structured interview, those individuals all of a sudden get real, oh God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. Mm-hmm. So there's those questions like, when do I bring up salary? How do I bring up and discuss what my salary expectations are? At what point do you recommend that those yeah. discussions come up? Well, with, with, with all 12 of the habits we found in what we call the unicorns, you know, the, uh, yep. all, in all 12 of them, developing skills around them has not ever been easier because the internet helps so much. So with salary, the help is you should have an idea what the ballpark mm-hmm. of the salary is before you ever walk in there. And if you don't, I don't know what kind of job you're interviewing for, but man, you got to have a little bit of anticipation of the interview. Right. You know, whether you go on Google reviews, you go on Glassdoor, I think 18 states now require that some salary range be posted. Um now, if they're posting accurately, that's different. But but there are ways to get an idea of both what the company is paying and what the market demands, mm-hmm. right? So you shouldn't walk in there ignorant. It's a lot different than 30, 40, 50 years ago, frankly, where companies could take advantage of women and say, this is what the salary is, when if it were man, it'd be totally different. Right. Uh, you know, thankfully, those things have changed some. But uh, I'm kind of an old curmudgeon here, Leanne. I think I see more people make the mistake of bringing up salary too soon than waiting too long, especially given that you should have some information going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you've got, I mean, I've got seven kids. I, that's a lot of people to feed. Mm-hmm. So I got to be careful. I'm, I'm the first to say you need to know what you're getting into and don't come home with a job that won't feed anybody. But you should be able to figure most of it out. And And one other place, I'll just go ahead and be curmudgeon. And I would say the earlier you are in your career, the longer you can wait to bring up salary. Okay. Okay. And the earlier you wait and you the earlier you are in your career, the less you should counter the offer. If you're early in your career and you find a job you're excited about and they offer you a salary and it's within what the market bears or what, you know, mm-hmm. you figured it'd be. I, I have seen a trend 
in in my own kids and in millennials. We it's the backbone of our office is millennials. Love them to death. I'm big, very bullish on the generation in general. But I will say, you guys need to quit countering for no reason other than countering. If it comes off as arrogant and entitled, it comes off as you're so lucky to interview me, and I don't even want to talk to you. I've, we have we have walked away from people that do the whole counter game just because that's like, to me, call me old school curmudgeon, but on a job right out of college, that is just not the right posture to have. So that's... Now you can cancel me and not ever invite me back to the podcast. That was so well said because I, again, I'm always for people um, countering for their worth. If I have a company who comes and and offers them something that I don't feel they're they're worth, um, and you know, is is lowballing them for the sake of trying to get them at a really low rate, and I'm like, ugh. I am a hundred percent in their corner of yes. Let's let's go back and ask for that additional five k, right. um, right. or let's see if they'll do a, a sign on bonus or whatever it might be. But but for the millennials who or for the younger generation, when they come in and they're like, oh yeah, I'm I'm making this much, and just recently, all of a the sudden, they're like, well, I want ten thousand more than what I'm making. I'll go. Uh, <laughs> what? Why? Why? Like seriously, why? What what yeah. what makes you think? I think it's that... become a it's in vogue. You're not you're not telling your truth if you don't. Right. <laughs> Which I'm like, guys, come on, don't blow the job right. over something that doesn't matter. Right, and it it insults on. It, there's that, it, I, and I've had it both ways where I've had an employer insult a candidate, and I've had candidates insult employers. By going sure. and you as much as you try to do the mediation of I, I can't go back to the employer and ask them for that or I can't go to the employee and offer them that they're, they're going to be insulted by you. And they're like, well, just do yep. it. OK, well, I, as the mediator, I cannot as the representative to both parties, I have to do what's being asked. And it's embarrassing sometimes that I've had embarrassing moments where I'm like, oh, I got to offer this to you. I've also had well, but, it. I, sorry. I've also had it where I've had a candidate accept a job and then and negotiation, negotiation, the company finally went, yes, we'll offer that, accept it. And the day later, come back and go, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm, I, I, I think that, you know, I'm going to ask for this much more. And I went, I'm sorry, but negotiations are closed. And I literally yeah. said, I'm withdrawing you from this opportunity at this point. Because negotiations closed, you accepted the position, and unfortunately, I can't represent you anymore. Like, we've gone mm. through two days of negotiation, and I, as your representative, am, I, I'm withdrawing you from, you know, from yeah. this position. Like, because I knew that the company would be like, absolutely not. And, and it yeah. would have been embarrassing as a representative of the client to even go back, or of the candidate, to even go back to the client and say, yeah, she wants more now, now that she's accepted the position. Like, so there's, there's, don't get me started on, on that. I'm a hundred percent. You you know, it's interesting in these 12 habits of the unicorns, uh, one of them is anticipation. Mm -hmm. And so like a perfect example of that is arming yourself with some information before you ever get to the salary negotiations. The, the best of the best are thinking a step or two ahead. Yep. And they develop that as a habit. It's not a hard habit to mm -hmm. develop. It's just 
intentionally try those, you know, all 12 of those habits were super common among unicorns and not common at all among everybody else. And they're not unattainable. It was not, oh, they're all six foot five or they all have 175 IQ or they all have fabulous hair and teeth. It wasn't <laughs> anything like that. So <laughs> it was, uh, you know, simple interpersonal habits right. that they showed that very few people do and anticipations one self-awareness is one it's a it is a fascinating study that's i would love to see the full study and like really understand because again you know in hr in sales in everything that i do it's the study of humans and why they make the decisions they make why they make the buying decisions why they make the hr decisions why they what what is it in them? And and I know yep. a lot of it is a, a great deal of it has to do with self-awareness. And But the decision-making process and how people's brains work in making a simple decision of why am I buying what I'm buying? Why am I not? What What is it that's triggering each decision that somebody makes yep. on a daily basis? Fascinating. People it are is. fascinating. And, you know, Leanne, I, the whole research project, other than a pandemic, we were sitting around with stuff, you know, with time to spend, um, was kicked off by like, I've always wondered, like you ever meet somebody and within five minutes, you're like, winner. Oh, yeah. And I've I mean, also, and I've also a, meet somebody and, you know, within five minutes, I'm like trying to figure out how do I get out of this yeah, conversation? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, it's not even like, do I like them? It's just like, they're magnetic. Mm-hmm. Five minutes into the interview, I've learned not to say I should hire them because they might not be right for us. Right. No, tissue match, right? But they are super hireable. And I've always wondered what makes them like that? Why? I'm, a, I'm not dumb. Why within five minutes am I in their camp? Mm-hmm. And that sort of kicked off the study like, all right, of the best interviews we have, most of the time when you sit down within five minutes, you're like, I'm interviewing a fantastic person right now, whether or not they fit and and it just made us say, do they what do they have in common? And it was stunning how it's just simple interpersonal habits. We did the research for our own purposes and then kept getting told you've got to crank this out for the public and frankly for people who want to get ahead. So we did write a book about it and it does have the all the results. So awesome. What is your book? It's called Be the Unicorn. All right. Perfect. And you can get Be, that Be the Unicorn. Let's see if I can do the whole thing. Be the unicorn, 12 data-driven habits that separate the best leaders from the rest. And you can get that, I'm assuming, on Amazon and anywhere. Yeah. You can get it anywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know when you're airing this. You know, Sometimes airing and recording are different. But uh, it, the official on-sale date is November 14th, and pre-sales are open right now. Awesome. Yeah, I think it'll be helpful to people. We're going to put a workbook out afterward. We've got some bonus content for people that pre-order. Um but basically just want to try and help people get better. I, I really think um, as AI emerges and it will replace a lot of our jobs, it's also going to create some jobs that we didn't know were there. Mm-hmm. That's what always happens when well, we yeah. invent steam engines and computers and internets. It takes some jobs away and it creates some new ones. Mm-hmm. But I do think the, uh, the, the, the gold standard in the job market over the next 10 years is humans being able to interact with humans on a human level at a, at an excellence that they haven't before. And all 12 of these habits are basic human interpersonal skills that anyone can do. It's just like lots of people buy a treadmill and never use it. No, you got to apply 
but but we have the data shows these are the things to work on and then you'll just be irreplaceable i I think it's going to help i have a treadmill it was a great idea when i decided to get a treadmill and now it's just a uh you know big piece of equipment that sits in my flipping spare bedroom okay um i will definitely be getting your book um i'm excited to read that but um we are coming to time i want to get the question of the season answered by you and then get your contact information so what do you think will go down in the history books from what the world has experienced over the last three plus years yeah so um i think that uh you know how cool would it have been to live during the Renaissance? Oh, I would right? love to that. There wasn't enough communication to know, hey, over in Portugal, they just did this. And over in Italy, Leonardo did that. And, mm-hmm. you know, but there was so much going on at the same time. And that's pretty amazing. Or at the dawn of the Roman Empire, right? There's so much changing and happening. So like there, there are only a few times when that's happened. You know, Alexander takes over the world and instead of having 85 different Greek languages, he one and things are unified and there's all mm-hmm. kinds of shifts and changes. It, those are really like seismic shifts that as I look at world history, you know, they're really only every three, four, five hundred years. Mm-hmm. I think we're living right in the middle of one of those. And and I don't just say that willy nilly or to be melodrama. So, well, well, I've studied it. I almost did a PhD in uh, the history of doctrine, which is like, do you want curly fries with that? But uh, <laughs> you know, studying the patterns. Here's the, here's the pattern I see. Here's the key. There's enormous innovation breakthrough, but always before enormous innovation breakthrough and disruption, there's a communication breakthrough. Every time Rome built roads, things changed. Alexander got one Greek, things changed. There's a printing press, things changed. Right. There's, you know, it, it, you you can see it. We've had the internet for a while. Mm-hmm. People think breakthroughs, communication breakthroughs happen in one day or one year. They don't. They have to be adapted and adopted. One of the silver linings of the pandemic is people are now totally cool with technology. Mm-hmm. Like my mother's church, right. which is slightly older than George Washington is live streaming their services. They would never have done that before. So, so I think what's the world going to remember? This was a season of enormous, you could say disruption and chaos, or you could say opportunity and new birth. And I think it's going to be both those things, but I think we're living in a Renaissance and I think history will prove this is one of the cooler times to be alive. I, I agree. Um, And I don't think, I mean, it's, it's, and I was just talking about this. I think that we are at the threshold of a of the beginning of the reset, where we're going to see, um, with all of the inflation of of jobs going up and pricing going up, I think we're going to finally see a balance, and it's going to take another mm-hmm. two or three years where we start to see things balance back out, where pricing is going to start to balance and level off, and we're not going to continue to see all of these rises because I think we're already seeing companies start to go, okay, we, we, we can't sustain these high inflated salaries and numbers, and, and, and we're already starting to see it here where companies are starting to come down and go, yep, our wages are no longer starting at this. We're, we're leveling that out, and if we can get those numbers back down, we'll start to see other things start to, to, to level out as well. Um, I I just I agree. There's so many amazing things that have happened. I mean, 
obviously not the pandemic, but amazing things that happened because of what we, you know, all experienced together. Um, there's some beautiful things that came out of that. And um, now we're, we're struggling to, you know, get a hold of all of the weird things that got off balance. But I've been saying it for now uh, over a year that there has to be a reset to bring things back to a, a stable balance. And I think that we're at the threshold of that beginning. And um, I just, yeah, I, I agree. That was a great answer. Now, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, um, how would they go about doing that? Simple. Go to Google, spell Vanderbloom in any way you want. It will drive right back to our site. And our site also can drive you to be the unicorn. Um, it also can drive you, if you if you'll see when you get there, we've actually built an index around these 12 habits and we've surveyed a quarter million people. So we have a nice baseline. You can see, how do I measure up against the general population and how do I measure up against the unicorns and what do I need to work on? So I'll go to spell Vanderblumen, however you want into Google. You can also go to Amazon and spell Vanderblumen, however you want. It'll, the name is so messed up. <laughs> it'll lead right back to us and the, your name your it'll be on the show notes you'll be able to find it i'll have a you know your website all that fun stuff so that you can you can i'm see not it. kidding <laughs> go type it, spell it however you want that's why we named the company what we did because it's really messed up and there's not another one. <laughs> and so people will be able to reach out to you william this has been such an amazing conversation i really appreciate um you coming on and i had so much fun talking with you today Thanks so much, Leanne. I appreciate you having me. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day. 